0: Y'all ready? We've already had an awesome, awesome encounter with Jesus through our worship, and I want you to lean in right now because we're getting ready to encounter Him even deeper through the Word of God. The last three weeks, we've encountered Him in lots of different ways. As He met with the woman in the well—not in the well, at the well—totally different thing. Um, he met with the rich young ruler. And that didn't end very well. And then he met again with uh, Nathaniel, who later became one of his disciples. And today, uh, he's actually meeting with two different groups of people. Um, He doesn't say much during this uh, account, but what he does say is really, really critical. And the whole point of the Word of God, to begin with is to demonstrate to us who God is. And we get to see Jesus in this incredible, credible way through this account of his encounter with a woman and some, some gentlemen. So what we're going to dive into the book of John. John chapter 8 is where you find this story. And instead of reading it to you, I just kind of want to set the stage and tell you about it and then bring out some uh, important uh, notes about it. So just lean in because God has got something great for you tonight. All right, so setting the stage. I want you to imagine at your school, as you, I know it, this is true at East, I haven't been to a lot of your schools, but at East, just before you go, into the building there's this courtyard area flagpoles there before school people are just hanging out talking um, laughing you know doing their thing some of some people are cramming for whatever test they've got coming up next or whatever but you've got this whole courtyard scene well that's similar to what we're the scene in this story where Jesus is um, in Jerusalem it's early morning and he's in front of the temple, and this is a big kind of open plaza area where people just come and go throughout the day um, uh, and, and everything. They see Jesus there, and he sits down and he starts to teach them. Uh, we don't know what he's teaching, doesn't really say. I imagine it's probably one of the things that we've heard before through, through the scriptures because he tends to repeat those, those lessons over and over for the different listeners. And so he's over here, he's teaching and minding his own business, just doing, doing what God has led him to do. And because sound carries faster than light and travels faster than light, all of a sudden we hear screaming. And everybody looks up, and I'm not going to scream, I'm not a good screamer, so just imagine, okay? Um, he hears screaming, and everybody looks up, it's like, where's that coming from? What's happening? What's happening? And out, all of a sudden, we see these, this group of men dragging this woman through the streets. She's screaming for her life. She is terrified because she thinks she's about to die. And she, they bring her into the scene, into this open plaza. And I'm sure she's got to be embarrassed, mortified, you know, all of these different emotions going on in her. And they throw her down at Jesus' feet. They have a motivation here. What they've done is early morning, apparently they found this woman somewhere in somebody's bed that she didn't belong. She was not with her husband, apparently, maybe somebody else's husband. We don't know. We don't know where he is. I'm thinking he jumped out the window before the Pharisees got there, and he's run off and left her to hang by herself. Now, the penalty for this this crime that she's committed is death. And not just any death. It's not a death by hanging, not the guillotine. Haven't invented that yet. They stone her. They take rocks like the size of softballs and bigger, and they start throwing them at the offender. And in this case, the idea is that they're going to do this to this woman. And so she's anticipating These rocks being thrown at her, breaking bones, breaking her skull eventually. And if God is merciful, she will die quickly and won't feel all the pain that's about to come her way. Now, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they're... Desire is to catch Jesus in some kind of compromising situation that will discredit him, so people will stop following him. And so they're going to use this advantage, take this time and this opportunity to test Jesus and see if they can't catch him in doing something like that. And so what they've done is they they brought her this woman, they've thrown her down at Jesus' feet, and they said, Jesus. The law of God says that this woman who has been caught in adultery, in the very act of adultery, has, um, is, needs to die by stoning. That's what the law says. And instead of reacting right away, Jesus kneels down. I was going to kneel down, but I'm not. I'm afraid I won't be able to get up again. Anyway, <laughs> um, and he starts writing in the sand. The Bible doesn't say what He's writing. We don't really know why he's writing. Um, in my imagination says that he's kind of trying to put some space into this scene. Because we have this woman here sobbing and terrified. We have these religious leaders that are pestering him because the Bible says that they keep asking, keep pestering him to give them an answer. And then, of course, you've got the onlookers who I'm sure are not silent at this point. They're all murmuring. And so there's just a lot of noise and a lot of tension and a lot of emotion happening. And so Jesus kind of diffuses that. And he takes a break and he writes and then he stands up and he says, You're absolutely right. That is what the law says. And in my imagination, I hear this woman groan. Oh, here's my last opportunity for mercy gone. I'm going to die. He says, you're absolutely right. That's what the law says. Let's start a line here. And I want the first one to be the person that's without sin. Come on, everybody. Come on, line up. And at this point, nobody moves. And Jesus kneels down and starts to write again. I think giving them time to process. And the Bible says that they all start walking away from the oldest to the youngest. Very interesting comment that it's the oldest to the youngest. And I know from my experience that, because I'm old, Um, that the older you are, the more aware you are of your sin. And I think that's the same in this situation. So nobody lines up. Nobody's going to throw the rock at her. So this is our first, the first thing I want to point out, our first point of the day. And it is, only someone who is without sin has the authority to judge. And only someone with the authority to judge can condemn someone. That's the whole point of this little encounter here between Jesus and these religious leaders. It's like, okay, this is the law. This is the rule. But who has the authority to make this happen? And if you take notes or if you want to look at stuff deeper, I've got some verses up here, up in, under there. Snap a picture of that. Take a chance this week to dig a little deeper and make sure that what I'm telling you is accurate. It is, but at the same time, it's always, always, always good to double check and make sure that you hear from God the same thing that, that I've spoken to you or any leader up here speaks to you. So Jesus has posed this question, and he's making this point that only he has the ability to both forgive sin and condemn sin. So let's talk real briefly on what sin is and what condemnation is. Just so you know, everybody's on the same page. Sin is anything that is contrary to God's perfect plan for us. For when you were created, the very moment you were conceived, God had a plan, a beautiful plan, a perfect plan, a plan that would bring you joy, a plan that would bring you peace, a plan that you would know you are loved and you are cared for and that you are important. And this plan is for everybody. But we all tend to kind of mess that up a little bit and try to do things our own way, try to go against what God's perfect plan is, and those things are sin, okay? And so that's, that's the definition of sin. And it's condemnation is sentencing of, of a penalty. So if a judge, um, is you come before a judge and you've committed a crime— there are certain penalties for different crimes. Sometimes it's a fine, sometimes it's jail time. sometimes you get um, I can't think of the word now uh, and then sometimes you get, you know, sentenced to death depending on the severity of your crime. These things are condemnations. And so, to give you that frame, only Jesus has the right and the authority to condemn us for anything. However, what we learn in this next encounter with the woman changes everything. So all the the religious leaders have walked away. They're probably hiding in the crowd somewhere. What's Jesus going to do next? And Jesus is still riding in the sand. And he stands up. He looks down at the woman. He lifts her up. He looks her in the eye and says woman where did everybody go where are your accusers is not anyone condemning you in my mind i'm seeing this woman you know she's she's down on the ground she's got her eyes covered she's like anticipating a rock hitting her in the head any minute now and then as as Time goes on. As these men are walking away, she starts to get a little braver, peek through her fingers what's happening. And by this time, she's like, I don't know what's happening right now. And then Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Now go and stop sinning. Don't go sleeping around. Don't keep doing what you've been doing. Go on. So that has to be an incredible moment. This woman has just gone not 30 seconds before in fear of her life. And then all of a sudden, she's forgiven. She has a new life. She has a new opportunity. She can turn her life around, she can turn over a new leaf. She can walk away from this situation. <sighs> wow. And the thing is, that's where all of us are. We are all this woman. We all have our issues, our addictions, our fears, our doubts, our cred. And God has lifted us up and says, I don't condemn you. Now go. And don't sin anymore. So that's my second point. Jesus chooses to offer forgiveness in the place of condemnation. Not for just this woman, but for everyone. All of mankind. That was his whole point in coming. Is we see here in in the very first point that Jesus is the one who has the authority to condemn us. And he has the authority to forgive us. If he didn't have that authority, this story wouldn't mean a hill of beans. We could all just say, how do you do, and go on our merry way. There's nothing to it. But it does matter. Because Jesus does forgive sin. And it's incredible. One thing I thought about is, I want you to think of it this way. If... If Natalie, so I can see your face, I'm going to call you out. Natalie, if I come up to you, she's one of my girls, so I can call her out. Um, Anyway, if I come up to you and slap you in the face, just no reason, I just slap you, silly. And then I'm like, I walk away, and then I go over to Jody's house. And I say, Jody, I just hit. Natalie in the face, and I'm feeling really bad about that. Will you forgive me? Does it mean anything if Jody forgives me for slapping Natalie? No. Natalie's the only one that has the authority to forgive me. And that's the point. If, since our sin is the sin against God, only God has the authority and the right to forgive us. We can't go asking for it from anybody else we have to go to Jesus, and we have to seek His forgiveness and the thing is is he offers it to everybody. I want to point out two verses to you there's a lot more verses that can that I could go into, but for time 's sake and for your brains, so you don't glass over um, i 'm going to read these two verses i 'm going to read them backwards, not backwards, backwards, but verse seventeen and the verse sixteen um, two of my favorite verses in scripture. John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world from death through him. Then John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The perishing is the condemnation. And so he's saying that he gives his only son so that if we trust in him, and if we trust in what he's done for us on the cross, then we are no longer condemned to death because that's our sentence. When we sin against God, the sentence is death. There is no other sin. There's no jail time. There's no grounding There's no taking away the cell phone or whatever. It's death. That's the only option. And because of that, and because Jesus wants us all to be redeemed from that and free from that, he came, he offered his life so that if we trust in him, he can forgive us from that sin and that we're no longer condemned, but we have the reward of eternal life. I want you to watch this video real quick, and then we'll come back and talk just a minute. The thing is that Jesus' love has done that for everyone in the room tonight. Every one of us. And what I want to make sure you hear in this series, how Jesus encountered these people where they were, how they were, who they were, and love them. And it's true for all of us. Some of you in here tonight, you're good with God. You guys are tight, and you're, you're walking with him, and that is awesome. And God and you have this encounter and walking together, and I love that, and that's something to be celebrated tonight. Some of you are in a place of deep, deep pain, pain that is so crushing that you don't know how you're going to keep breathing. Some of you are in situations that you can't see the light in the tunnel because there's so much crap in your life. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, Jesus is looking at you. And he sees you. And he loves you. And he does not condemn you. But he does admonish you. There's an action to be taken here. We can accept that forgiveness, but if we just turn around and walk away, have we really honored the, what the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us? The challenge for us is to respond. And how are we going to respond? And so tonight we have opportunities for you guys to just do that to respond in whatever way you need to respond. Leaders, if you would just go to the different stations or if you don't have a station, come up front. And what I want you to, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to think about is where you are with God, where you want to be with God, and what it's going to take to get you there. All over the room, we have different things for you to do. We've got prayer boxes. If you've got a prayer that is just very, very private and personal and you just don't want anybody to know what's going on. You want to make that anonymous. We have a prayer box kind of in the center back here. However, if you want somebody to pray over you and pray with you, we've got leaders all up here with that opportunity. We have an opportunity for you to write your prayers on the wall over here. I would encourage you that if there's somebody that you know that needs Jesus, write their name and pray for them and pray that they will see the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus tonight. And then we have um, the communion station over here that if you just want to celebrate what God has done for you and you just want to honor him and worship him for that and you don't have to do just one, You do whatever God has called you to do. I just encourage you all to be honest. Don't move just because your neighbor's moving. Don't respond just because your neighbor's responding. And just encounter him. He's here. He's talking to you. What you do with that is what comes next. So I want to pray with you. And then as soon as I'm done, you guys can move to where you feel led to move, okay? Holy and gracious Father God, we cannot thank you enough for the great mercy that you've shown on us. Lord, that you point out that even in our righteousness, we have sin and we have no right to judge others, but that you have every right to condemn, but instead you choose to forgive And, God, we just want to just accept that forgiveness tonight, and we want to walk away honoring you for that precious gift. For every young man and every young woman in this room tonight, Father God, my prayer, my heart, God, is that you will change their whole life right now, and that they will walk away today heading in a completely different direction, such a direction, Lord, that changes their home life, changes who they become as men and women, changes the kind of spouse that they become, the kind of parent they become. Lord, that changes siblings and brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and stepfathers and stepmothers and grandmothers and everybody in their family will encounter you through these men and women. God, I claim that over them. And I thank you for what you're doing here tonight and I just thank you and I praise you that it doesn't stop here. And it goes on and on and on. In Jesus' name, amen.